everybody. This is the Nitty Gritty. My name is Chad. With me is Leonard. And I think the WrestleMania card, Leonard, is starting to take shape, at least a little bit. As we record this, nothing has happened with Cody Rhodes. That was a lot of fun to do that episode. Yes. That was more current events in wrestling. This week, we are going to be tackling the many gimmicks of Edward Harrison Leslie. How about that, Leonard? But you didn't know his I, name. I did not know his middle name was Harrison. That is a great middle name for Ed Leslie. <laughs> it is. And we are going to be ranking his gimmicks. Now, there might be some gimmicks that are not listed, as a few of them could probably be looped together, um, where there were slight name changes, maybe. Um, we'll, we'll get to that. He was born April 21st, 1957, and... He is billed from San Francisco, California. He's also been billed from Parts Unknown. And my favorite, the land of yin and yang, which I really feel is a location that should be used more often today. That's just my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. Jimmy Wang Yang should have been from there. That's, yeah, population of two. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, obviously, we know that uh, Ed Leslie is most famously known as Brutus the Barber Beefcake. I'm sure that will be near the top of both of our lists, but who knows? Maybe Leonard and I will be a little bit different. Actually, I'm pretty positive Leonard and I will be a little bit different here. But uh, anyway, he uh, got his career started in 1977, and I'm not going to tell you what the gimmick is because one of those gimmicks is on our list, right, Leonard? Right, or, or, or a combo package of. So, Leonard, why don't you tell us every gimmick that we're going to be talking about here? Okay, so in vague chronological order, uh, from 1977 to 1984, he wrestled in a variety of territories and was often paired up with Hulk Hogan as his brother. So uh, he had several names during this period, Eddie Boulder, Dizzy Hogan, Dizzy Golden, Eddie Golden, any combination of those words. And since it was pretty much the same character, this was a different name. We just kind of grouped those together as the early years of Ed Leslie. Right. Uh, then from 1984 to 1987, he was part of the Dream Team in the WWF. So we called this Dream Team Brutus Beefcake. Then from 1987 to 1990, and again from 91 to 93, is Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Of course, that was the barber gimmick where he would cut – the hair of jobbers after putting them out with a sleeper hole. Uh, in 1990, he suffered a very infamous parasailing accident, which destroyed his face. And in early 1991, he came back as the Mariner under a mask, had two run-ins, and they abandoned the idea. Uh, then he, again, came back, wasn't really wrestling much from 91 to 93, pretty much hosting the barbershop. But in nine, early 93, he would reteam with Hulk Hogan to form the Mega Maniacs, WrestleMania 9. And at that time, Hogan was calling him Brother Brutai, sort of as a nickname. But that name kind of stuck. So when they both went to WCW in 1994, they couldn't call him Bruce the Barber Beefcake for copyright reasons. He was originally known as Brother Brutai. And then in later 94, he was known as the Clip Master, kind of a generic version of the Barber gimmick. Uh, and then he turned on Hulk Hogan, became the butcher. That was late in 94. When he couldn't get the job done, 
uh, against Hogan. Kevin Sullivan kicked him out of the Dungeon of Doom, and in early 95, he was known briefly as the man with no face or the man with no name. This appeared, came back in mid-95 as the Zodiac, a member of the Dungeon of Doom. Eventually, it would be revealed that he was a secret agent for Hulk Hogan inside the Dungeon of Doom the entire time. <laughs> and in 1996, it would become the Booty Man and would be paired with the Booty Babe, Kimberly Page. Would go uh, away at the start of the NWO. He would get beat down by the NWO, disappear, come back, and in 98 to 99, would wrestle as the Disciple. After uh, From 2000 on, he wrestled occasionally. Um, he still appears on the convention circuit. I believe as Chad mentioned signing autographs, taking pictures with fans. Uh, there were two other names slash gimmicks that we ran across that we didn't find out a lot of information about. One was Baron Beefcake, and the other was Brute Force. Yeah. So we did not include those. I think both those might have been random gimmicks a- after his semi-retirement uh, around 2000. So, well, actually. From what I yeah. under, from what I saw, those that gimmicks actually occurred right before, at least it seems that it was right before his, or maybe at the beginning of his debut in WWF. Oh, okay. Well, uh, then I was incorrect. And, and yeah, like so, he was all those gimmicks with Hogan associated with Hogan, and then when Hogan left for WWF, it, it seemed like wherever he was, maybe he was shortly known as Brute Force and maybe Baron Beefcake. Um, but yeah, the timeline on those is fuzzy, which is why uh, they won't be here. And you know what's funny about this topic, Leonard, and it, it was fun to compile this list. But I was kind of surprised at how much I didn't know. <laughs> like some of these gimmicks, I had not heard of. I, I had not heard of. Like the you know the obvious ones I've heard of, and we'll get to all those. But this was interesting in that there were gimmicks during periods I was actively watching wrestling that I legit do not remember in any way, shape, or form. But uh, we will get there. And you know what? That's going to lead in. I'll just start to my number 11 pick, which is the Mariner, Um, which also, like, that, I guess, was dubbed the name down the road later on. But I guess at the time, he was unofficially known as Furface for whatever reason. Um, There are clips of him as the Mariner dressed in like some weird garb and a mask. And it just, it didn't make any sense. The commentary team didn't seem to understand it at all. Vince was one of them. And, you know, it was probably his idea, if not part his idea. And he seemed to be confused. Um, So yeah, like this was what I was talking about. Like I was actively watching wrestling at this point. And I do not remember him coming in as the Mariner. <laughs> I just don't. Not at all. And, like, I feel like I was watching every week at this point. Um, so he would come in and he would attack some heels. There's a clip of him attacking Earthquake. And, you know. I believe Rick Martell is the other one. What's that? I think Rick Martell is the other heel he attacked. Right. And I guess I don't know if they were planning on this being an actual gimmick, if they were just giving him some work to do while he healed. It's really tough to say. Like, this is one of those random questions where if you had a podcast with Vince, you might ask him this at some point. <laughs> um, but yeah, so my number 11 is the Mariner. How about you, Leonard? It is also my number 11 uh, wow. for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. I don't remember it from the time, but I remember it from after because at the early days of the internet and wrestle crap, when people would say, oh, name the worst gimmick, name the most short lived gimmick. 
the Mariner would often come up again, also known as Furface. Um, it was only like two appearances, right. at least on television that we know of. You also have to ask what was even the idea here. He's wearing a mask with a star on the side that looks like your grandma knitted it the night before you needed it for a school play. Forgot to tell anybody. Stardust grandfather. Yes. And yeah, maybe that's who he is. And he's wearing, there's one picture, which I'm sure you'll throw this picture up. He's wearing like a metal basket around his neck. Like he's like, he's going to go fry some fish at Long John Silver's. Maybe that's why he's the Mariner. Cause he's frying fish in the basket around his neck. I don't know. Yeah. My guess here is it was a little bit of Ed Leslie wanting to work and WWF wanting to find something for him to do. I wonder um, if like he called Vince when Vince was out drunk one night at like the local steakhouse that he likes to frequent. Yes. And Ed Leslie was like, I'm healed. I can go like, give me some work. Or, All right. You're, you're going to be the Mariner. It's like, I, I otherwise I don't know how or why, you know, maybe it was a group of them that were under the influence. Who knows? Uh, Bruce Prince was sitting there eating a shrimp basket. That's what gave him the idea. He was eating a shrimp basket. I went, right. You're going to be the Mariner. All right. Well, my number 10 pick mm -hmm. is going to be the Clip Master. And this was post uh, Brother Brutai. Right, Leonard? Yes, yes. Right. This was yeah. very short. And, and I'll just jump in here. The Clip Master is also my number 10. Wow. And this is one I absolutely do not remember at all. I was watching right. it at the time. I don't think it was very long, but from what I understand, it was just WCW trying to recreate the barber gimmick by not being able to call him the barber. But I've never heard of a barber called a clip master. Well, that's the thing. So, like, while we were talking, while you were doing the intro there, I was thinking to myself, mm -hmm. like, what would have been really creative much more creative than WCW was capable at the time. No offense to any of the legends that were there on the booking committee, but if you could have called him the clip master and have him do this promo where people assume that it means he cuts hair, he's like, no, I'm the clip master because I like to create really memorable clips in the ring. You know, I, you know, something stupid, like a play on words or, you know, like have fun with it. Maybe. I don't know. Like, I feel like I could have spun that to Dusty or Rick or whoever was booking at that time. Um, and they would have been like, eh, no, thanks. Go home. But hey, I think my idea is better still. I thought it sounded like uh, a Marvel villain with a football gimmick. <laughs> you know, he's clipping people in the back of the knees, the clip master. It would have been one of those old Marvel two and ones from the 70s. Right. Like, I know that there's a a chain of salons called Great Clips. There's one called Master Cuts. Maybe they took them together and made the Clip Master. Yeah, I, I I don't I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. And again, when we talk about WCW, lazy booking, uncreative ideas is like how can we recreate the barber and they do it in like the dumbest way possible and avoid the you know trademark or copyright infringement laws that uh, WWE obviously would have uh, gone forward with. Um, you know, this is just one of those examples of people looking back at WCW and kind of rolling their eyes because there's just no thought that went into this. It was just, we need to remind people that he is a friend of Hogan. People know that. Like, you know, you didn't have to treat fan wrestling fans like they were complete morons. Um, you know, I, I just, uh, 
I think that, you know, I wonder though, if this was a Hogan idea, like part of me, for whatever reason, like Brutus was like, what do I call myself? You know, everybody knows me as the barber or just call yourself the clip master or something. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, my number nine pick is the man with no name and the man with no face, a twofer there. Um, So this minor gimmick occurred after he was booted from the three faces of fear. He was, uh, you know, and had amnesia and was then dubbed the man with no name. I don't know. I assume it was after that they referred to him as the man with no face. I did find a match with him and Kevin Sullivan, assuming this was right after he got booted from the three faces of fear um, Mm -hmm. where he was, they introduced him as the man with no name. I didn't find any clips of him as the man with no face. Um, but uh, yeah, this is just about as dumb as it gets. I didn't realize WCW did multiple amnesia gimmicks. They did one famously with Cactus Jack um, that also is not remembered fondly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's why this is here. I don't really have anything else to say other than this is just very unmemorable and just, again, not creative in any way. Um, you know, I guess he just wanted work, but, you know, at some point, I feel like Ed Ed could have spoken up and been like, you know, can't we do a little better? <laughs> oh, this was my number eight. Right. Uh, just because I thought there was some potential not lived up to here. Like I kind of like the idea of Beefcake being a man without a country. You know, he he's not he can't be with Hogan, he can't be with Sullivan, and the idea of the man with no name kind of plays off of all the different gimmick changes and name changes he's had. The man with no face, if, if, that, if he was ever called that, or maybe that was something that somebody threw in at some point, you, playing off of the Paris hailing accident, I would guess. Um, you know, I, I have this a little higher than you just because I think that the basic idea is interesting, uh, but th- there was really no execution here. As you said, again, they didn't do anything w- with it creatively. Right. Right. So to to jump back, I'll pick up my number nine, since this was my eight. My number nine was Brother Brutai, uh, because this is kind of the most generic form of Bruce Beefcake. Like if you had a video game doing a version of him that didn't have any licenses, they might call it Brother Brutai and it would be like a generic color color scheme kind of thing. Um, See, what's interesting to me here and why I put it over some of the others is because I like that, that the idea kind of spanned two companies and started as, as a nickname. Um, I recently watched some WrestleMania 9 uh, lead-in stuff. And uh, go and find the promos that Beefcake and Hogan were doing on um, Money Incorporated during this time. It is some of the most batshit stuff you will ever hear is this the area where hogan said brother like 25 times in one promo yes and there's <laughs> a point where they have a briefcase i don't remember why they have a briefcase and ho and and beefcake is wearing a face mask and it's red and yellow and to show how durable the face mask is hogan is beating him with the briefcase in the face yeah and in, in reality i've heard um talk from some of the podcasts out there uh I, I want to say it was Bruce Pritchard's that uh, after Beefcake did get his surgery following that parasailing accident, from what I understand, he's like, like the effing Terminator, like as far as the strength in his face muscles go, like he's like stronger now there than he ever was before. Like it would take something phenomenal to uh, 
re-injure all that. But I digress. <laughs> yes, but, but but anyway, yes. So I like the idea that it was kind of a nickname. And and again, we talk about WCW booking and creativity is going to come up a lot tonight. And when he gets to WCW, they don't know what to call him. So since Hogan just calls him Brother Brutai, well, he's Brother Brutai until they figured out Clipmaster. And, you know, I wonder, like, if WWE had not been happy with Brother Brutai, you know, in some way. I don't know that they would have had Brother or Brutai trademarks. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I wonder why they didn't stick with that, because I had it at number six, which is why I mentioned it. I had okay. it a little bit higher because I didn't mind it nearly as much as some of these other weird gimmicks. You know, it made sense. It was a vague reminder of who he was. And I thought if fans probably picked that up very clearly, but then they just kind of went down the Alice in Wonderland rabbit hole um, after this. But uh, yeah, Brother Brutai was what it was. I, I thought that they skirted enough trademark issues there, but maybe they didn't. Who knows? Um uh, Eric Bischoff doesn't really, he wasn't the president uh, in, at this point, but uh, he uh, hasn't gone into detail any of this. He's is not a big fan of Ed Leslie. He called, mm-hmm. called him a leech and stuff on many occasions. But uh, anywho, um, yes, that was my number six. But my number eight is the various incarnations of Eddie Boulder, Dizzy Golden, Dizzy Hogan, all of those, um, simply because... <laughs> Like the like, if you, I'm gonna put up a picture right now. Like to see Ed Leslie at this point is like, you like his hair and mustache are just ridiculous. I I want to say that he has to have fun with this himself these days. Like he has to look back at these pictures and chuckle at himself. If he doesn't, then I you know he's taking himself too seriously. I mean, obviously he was always a friend of Hogan. Other YouTube videos will say he was Hogan's bitch. You know, like some of these names obviously say that right out loud. Um, There wasn't really much to this character and his promos back then were like God awful. Um, It was was basically, you know, something to the effect of, you know, well, when, my friend Hogan shows up, he's going to destroy, like destroy you guys. Like it was just the, he could barely get the words out. So that was my number eight. And Leonard's number eight was the man with with no face, man with no name, which we talked about. My seven was the early years, various gimmicks there that we talked about. I haven't seen a lot of that. have seen some clips, some pictures. Um, To me, the two things you can say here, and I guess this is me looking big picture which is why I had a higher than you is one, why he was horrible at this time period. This is where he learned how to work and he learned the business during this period. And it was also the period where he hooked himself to Hulk Hogan. If it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, he would not have had the career he had. I, oh, I don't absolutely. think you can argue that even if he would have wound up in WWF or WCW at any point, he certainly wouldn't have got the pushes he got, and he certainly wouldn't have been there as long as he was. It was because of Hogan. So b- because of those two kind of bigger picture elements, I had that a little higher than, than you. All right. Well, my number, my number seven was the Zodiac. And this gimmick came when, after he was the man with no name and face, he then joined the Dungeon of Doom, which was a very long storyline of Kevin Sullivan and all the 
post WWE guys they could muster. Uh, attempting to destroy Hulkamania uh, with Randy Savage there as well. Um, so he was known as the Zodiac, and his hair looked like Coolio. And he only said yes and no, and this is as goofy as it gets, which is why it's at number seven for me and not lower. Like, this is just goofy, and I'm, I'm assuming this is the guy from the land of yin and yang, Leonard. I don't know that yes. for a fact. I would just assume... Yes. Um, I watched some promos, uh, but uh, yeah, the uh, the Zodiac is just, you know, this is like, what was that uh, Dustin Runnels gimmick where he was uh, seven? Seven, oh yeah. <laughs> this is like in that league of gimmicks, like where it's like way after jumping the shark, mm-hmm. you know, nuking the fridge, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Anyway, that's my number seven. Okay, so Zodiac is my number five uh, because I had it higher because it was at least memorable. You know, I was watching at this period and I thought he was Zodiac a lot longer than he was because I remember it very strongly. And I think if you ask anyone who's watching WCW at this period and you say Zodiac, they're going to remember the entrance, the yes and no, the arm movement thing he did. Uh, the you know just the general look they're going to remember that so why this is completely over the top and silly i think it's knowingly so and very memorable and that's why i had it higher than you but that was my five my number six is the disciple uh this is beefcake still as hogan's sidekick but the dynamic had changed because they're both heels now uh honestly i didn't know this was beefcake at the very start when i was watching wrestling because he had the longer hair and the beard and he wore sunglasses a lot. And I don't think it was until a point that maybe he got the sunglasses knocked off or something where I went, oh, that's beefcake. Uh, so I think it was a good look change for him. I liked the stunner he did as a finisher, which was called the apocalypse. I, I think it looked pretty good. Now, the reason I have this lower than maybe some of the others, I obviously have this lower than you have it is because of the end of it was one, the NWO was so bloated at this point, he gets lost. And the disciple was the only member of the one warrior nation, which is a complete dumpster fire angle that we're not going to get deep into. Uh, But it doesn't certainly help the character that the disciple was a centerpiece of, of the Hogan warrior feud too. That was, uh, you know, so awful in and of itself. So I, there are a lot of the components of the disciple I kind of like, but again, it's another example of the execution not really being good and him being involved in, in such terrible storylines, i.e. the one warrior nation. Yeah, so I had uh, the disciple as my number four for many of the reasons that you just listed. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that this was Ed Leslie Brutus Beefcake. I had no idea. I, I looked and, you know, when I would tune into WCW at this time, I was always more of a WWF uh, viewer, but I would tune in uh, to WCW from time to time. And when I would see this guy with the beard, I could tell the commentators were giving him attention, but I had no idea who it was. I thought that he had a really cool look and uh, the silent thing I thought really worked. And in retrospect, I think that this was one of the better gimmick changes, radical gimmick changes that Ed Leslie had throughout his career because it was complete 180 
from anything that he had done before. He was still by Hogan's side, but almost unrecognizable. So I, I do think they could have done more with this gimmick than they did, or perhaps better things than what they did, as Leonard mentioned, the One Warrior Nation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still, overall, I thought that this was a neat idea at the time for the NWO, which, as Leonard said, was very bloated. So um, that would bring us to number five. Right, Leonard? What is okay. number five? My number five was the Zodiac, the which Zodiac. we're talking about already. Yes, my number five is the Booty Man. Okay. So this was obviously a very goofy gimmick, but this is when I was talking earlier about the Clipmaster and how they could have really gone full tilt with it. It seemed like they did here with the booty man, especially Leslie himself. Like he had, you know, uh, Kimberly page with him. His finishing move was the high knee, which is fantastic. And, you know, I mean, this is a guy that's obsessed with his own ass. This is, this predates, Billy Gunn. Yes. And Billy Gunn, I hope, bought Ed Leslie a drink at some point, you know, because a lot of the inspiration had to have come from this. Uh, you know, this was obviously another random goofy gimmick that he got, and he was just kind of doing a job, but it seemed like he was more committed to this one than he was with some of the ones we mentioned previously. Um, he also looked a lot like Brutus Beefcake at this point. He wasn't trying to be anybody else not you know not really a heel and um as a side note hogan at this point called him i guess as a spinoff brother booty um which you know hogan has to tack brother onto pretty much everything and Mm -hmm. why not this so it's just when when you call somebody your friend brother booty it's just i don't know this seems weird to me i don't know but uh yeah so that is my number five well, that's going to surprise you because Booty Man's my number three. Wow. The Because the Booty Man is so bad, it's good. It's the plan nine of outer space. That's a great way to explain it. So bad, is good. It's the plan nine of outer space of wrestling gimmicks <laughs> for me. It's so over the top. It's so dumb, as you mentioned. I think everybody realized it. And as you said, I think Ed Leslie was committed to it. I think, and that helps. I think being added, uh, having Kimberly Page added to him helps. She certainly had an ask for it. She's one of the best looking women ever in wrestling history. I think she got what she was supposed to do. I think they had good chemistry with each other. Yeah. Um, you know, Beefer always had cutouts in his tights. And here it's just ridiculous. You know, <laughs> he's, as you mentioned, he's in love with his own butt. He does the high knee. Um, you, you know, all, all of that there to me says this was a purposeful comedy gimmick. And again, I think Kimberly got it. Beefcake got it. Um, again, this was short lived too. I, I don't think this was around that long, but I remember it. I think it's something people remember who's watching at the time. No. So because of the fun of it, I have it much higher than you. As I said, that's my number three. Right. And as I said earlier, my number four is the disciple Leonard, your number four. So no, my number four is the butcher. Because many people will tell you that Butcher vs. Hogan and Starcade 94 was the worst main event of a mainstream wrestling pay-per-view ever. However, if you look at it in a vacuum, purely of Ed Leslie's career, which is kind of what we're doing here tonight, it's a high watermark. He's in the main event of the biggest pay-per-view of the year for the world title against one of the biggest wrestling stars of all time. This is his biggest singles match ever. It really is. 
And I think, like I mentioned earlier with a couple other things, squandered potential. Everyone is turned on Hogan except Beefcake. Then he finally does. And he becomes a butcher. Butcher cuts meat. Barber cuts hair. There's some parallel there. To play what if, I think if Hogan and Beefcake had stayed in the WWF, 94, 95, and they had to come up with something for them to do. Maybe something apart from the you know, new generation era. I could see them doing something like this, having Beefcake turn on Hogan, becoming the butcher, and probably doing better with it. So, um, yeah, I have this one pretty high because, again, in a vacuum, this is really a high point for for Beefcake match-wise. Maybe not storyline-wise, but match-wise. Yeah, I agree. And this was my number two. Okay. Uh, So, and for the reason that you just mentioned, and, yeah, you know, a lot of people look at this, main event from Starcade 94 and roll their eyes and say, oh my gosh, how could anybody have put Ed Leslie in a main event of a Starcade? And all that might be true. And the match is not great. It's a typical good match from this era, but it was a main event of one of the biggest WCW shows of the year. And you can't take that away from him. And, you know, his two, you know, title runs in his career, his major title runs, like you could argue that those are pretty much the same in terms of the impact that they left. And that's why I put it at number two, uh, because this was as high as it would get for him, in my opinion, uh, aside from maybe the arguable one, which I'm sure Leonard, Leonard will get to at some point here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this was a gimmick that I do think had a lot of potential and they could have gone better with it and maybe given it some flavor you know, some sort of spice to mix in there, something to really commit to it. But, you know, the way it was laid out with Heenan kind of declaring, he just butchered a friendship, he just butchered a friendship, and then he's called the butcher. Like, they could have laid it out better, and I think then they would have gotten more mileage out of it. Um, I agree with you, though. If Hulkamania had lasted longer in the WWF, we might have seen heel run from Beefcake or... uh, tugboat it was rumored tugboat was going to turn on him um they're leading up to wrestlemania 7 but that didn't happen so that is my number two so leonard you're number three okay so number three was my number three was the booty man which we've talked about and my number three is dream team okay so as i said the number my number two and three i think are pretty close together um he was not brutus the barber yet but he was in a heel tag team with Greg the Hammer Valentine, and they worked really well together. And uh, they were the tag team champions. So, I mean, as far as tag teams go, that's where you want to be. And this really, I think, had him apart from Hogan. And so he was kind of crafting his own legacy here for a bit, which might be an argument for why it deserves to be a little bit higher than what I put it because this was him as his own character doing his own thing. And they obviously had a great relationship and still do to this day from what it seems like. And uh, yeah, I mean, this was, this was a great part of his career that might should, should be maybe mentioned more often. Well, it's my number two is dream team brewers beefcake. I almost put it number one, to be honest with you. I really debated that because a lot of the things you mentioned, he's kind of away from Hogan. He's doing his own thing, but he's got a huge spotlight in the WWF. 
and he's putting a tag team with a great veteran worker and Greg the Hammer Valentine to work from, to work with, and to learn from. He's also given a veteran manager in Johnny Valiant, which is which is very important to mention as well. He had a tag team run. He didn't have to do any really heavy lifting here, but he held up his end of the team. Got a push, big win, tag champs. Uh, yeah, th- this is, I think, uh, you, you know, a, a real pinnacle for him. Um, again, still young, but had been in the business seven years, had started to not only figure himself out, but again, the fact that he gets surrounded by these two veterans in Valiant and Valentine, I think really helped to him to develop more. And this version also worked the very first ever WrestleMania against David San Martino. So I think that also says that WWF was high on him, whether that was Hogan talking him up. But I think that they were high on him and I think they wanted to give him opportunities. And I think that when you look at the opportunity you had here, it was one where he was protected and given time to develop. You know, if you go back and you look a lot of times you have, tag teams where one of the guys really breaks out as a single. Uh, And and I think that has a lot to do with the fact of them using a tag team as a kind of a proving ground for, for some guys, Greg Valentine already established himself as a singles and he would again. Uh, But yeah, I I think this is just a great era for him as a developing wrestler. Right. And yeah, this was him kind of building his foundation and that would bring us to our number one pick, which Leonard and I, it seems like, we agree. Both have the same, which is obvious, and that would be Brutus the Barber Beefcake. And I'll just say, like, looking back now, like, my view of Ed Leslie now might be a little bit tarnished simply because of some of the public issues that he and Hogan have had and how his career has kind of been just basically being a, a glue to Hogan for so long. But back in the 80s and early 90s, I was a huge Brutus Beefcake fan. Um, I, you know, had the, uh, I think he had a foam pair of scissors or something to that effect or toy scissors of some kind. Something of that nature. I don't remember exactly, but there was some sort of replica of the shears that he would carry to the ring. Right. And I mean, his LJN figure was actually just the Brutus Beefcake uh, look. It wasn't necessarily the barber, I don't think. Um, But uh, I was a big fan of his. I thought that he and Hogan had the best chemistry during this era. Um, They worked well together. Me being a huge Hulk Hogan fan, you know, whenever Brutus would come out to save the day, you know, it would always make me get up and cheer as a little kid. Um, He would have some good feuds. I would say his best feud was, would be with maybe million dollar man. Um, That's the one I remember the most. He had other good feuds, though, as well. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this is just the gimmick that everybody knows him as. It's weird for me to keep calling him Ed Leslie because everybody just knows him as Brutus, the barber beefcake. That's Mm -hmm. what you think of when you see his face, not necessarily Ed Leslie. Uh, But, uh, yeah, this was uh, him at his peak. He didn't really have any title runs. But uh, he didn't really need it, I would argue. Uh, but Leonard, what do you have to say about? The you know, I would say very, maybe not even very arguably. I would say that Beefcake was probably the number three face for the WWF from '87 to '90, behind uh, Hogan and Savage. 
Right. Um, he was poised for an IC title run from from what I know prior to the parasailing accident that he was going to take the belt off of the honky tonk man, but that wound up going to the Ultimate Warrior, uh, and how that went from there. Um, a great visual when he would come out with the shredded barber's coat and he's got the big, you know, pruning shears with the red and white tape on them. I think that's really cool. Uh, the fact that he would put jobbers out with a sleeper hold and then cut their hair. It's such a bad, bad shit gimmick, but it worked. Yeah, it worked. It's so memorable and it's so over the top and cartoony, which is great for that rock and wrestling era. And again, you had so many, you know, top level heels that that uh again the few million dollar man's very memorable and you know one thing was he didn't want to get his, his hair cut and, and and how the heels would kind of squirm out at getting their hair cut or how he would I, I i want to say i think it was boris zukov that he wrestled who's bald and he wound up like cutting his goatee or something yeah i, I do remember that now <laughs> yeah you know a, a jokey stuff like that but it was, again, the thing that everyone remembers him for to this day. You know, uh, I did wind up watching a clip from the memorabilia show that was on A&E where they're going out and they're finding memorabilia. And they do talk yeah. to Bruce Beefcake at one point. And they're trying to find a pair of his shears. They're not trying to find booty man tights or the Zodiac makeup. They're trying right. to find shears. So I the think Zodiac makeup would be fantastic. Yes, yes. <laughs> So I think I think that says that says a lot. But they were also looking for a Greg Valentine robe, and they were talking about the Dream Team era as well. So, but of course, those are both WWF era gimmicks. But yeah, I, I don't think you can say more in what we said. We can continue to compound it. Just the idea that you know Bruce Barber Beefcake is what everyone remembers, and throughout his career, by a lot of these gimmicks, they try to recapture that magic. Brother Brutai, Clipmaster, even the Booty Man to a degree, trying to take elements of what made the Barber so great and, and to repeat those. Right. And, uh, you know, I will say that another good feud of his was the one with Mr. Perfect, and he famously ended Mr. Perfect's undefeated streak. And uh, another memorable cut that he had was him cutting the uh, genius's hair. Yes. Uh, that, that, was a, that was a memorable feud as well. And, uh, yeah, so that means we think... The barber gimmick was his best gimmick. If you disagree with us, let us know. If you think we should have incorporated some of the other minor gimmicks, let us know. Or maybe Dizzy Golden should have been its own, apart from Dizzy Hogan. or Just Ed the Hogan. early years gimmicks, yes. I think we were pretty close. Although, I, 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 the closer we got to the top, the more we seemed to be off. So like our, The bottom of our list was the same. The top of yeah. our list was the same. But in the middle there... We uh, we move play. things around in a little in little different ways, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I think that you know, despite what he is behind the scenes, he left his legacy on the wrestling business. He has run the gamut. He had gimmick that was really great. He had a bunch of gimmicks that weren't, but uh, I do think that fans will always remember who he is. And nobody else has a look like him. So and on that note, I think that he left enough of a positive legacy. What do you think? Yeah, definitely so. I think people have a warm remembrance of him, uh, especially fans of our era from that time period. And I'm not going to go into everything that he's got going on today. I have met him in person. I've seen him at various shows. 
Um, you know, and, 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 and he's been fine. And I, and I do think that as time goes on, some of the lesser gimmicks and things about him drop away and people just have the warm memories of, of the barber. And so let that be it. Now, one thing I also didn't want to mention is that there's a, a card game. I think I introduced you to it called 80, 80s Mania Wrestling Returns. It's a card yeah. game. You collect cards. You use that to make rosters with. And they do have a Bruce Beefcake inspired card. If you can see it there on my phone. Uh, it's a little glary, but it's called Stud Muffin. <laughs> and instead of the barber shop, he has an interview segment called The Bakery. Yeah. And his main feud is with Mr. Tycoon, who is the um, Ted DiBiase, uh, you know, uh, uh, copy in this game. And I don't know if he has a tag team with the Hogan one. I'd have to look that up. But the, the Hogan character is known as Dude Brohan, which I think is a great name for, for that character. Yeah, we, we love 80s Mania Wrestling Returns and uh, modern Mania Wrestling as well, I think is very good. Uh, very cool games. The 80s one, they really do create some uh, clever knockoffs of some of our uh, favorites from that era. Yeah, that's why I usually play that one a little bit more. And uh, hey, 80s Mania Wrestling guys, give us a sponsorship. There you go. Hey, we will plug, plug you as much as you want. So let us know what you think of Ed Leslie and his various gimmicks. Another YouTube video said that he think in total it was 18. So uh, that's a lot of gimmicks. And yeah, and a lot of them was maybe very short lived. And of course, if you count all those early name changes, yeah, you could probably get to 18. Yeah. And I have a thought. This is not again for next show, but in the future we do this again. I think we should do Steve Lombardi. I'm up. I'm up for that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, until next time, please let us know what you think in the comments. Let us check out us on uh, Apple Podcasts and or Spotify if you'd rather listen to us. Click the like button on this YouTube video and subscribe to our channel. Every little bit helps. And Alexa, we'll see you out.